This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. God is good. He is worthy to be praised. After a lot of deliberation, I had to come up with tonight's Solid Talk title, which says, Is America Hitting the Wall? And I got that title right at the last minute. As I mentioned Right before we came on, I kind of had just this idea of what I wanted to talk about circulating around my mind. I had other um, titles in mind like America in Decay. Another title I had in mind, which we'll get to in a moment, is Does Heaven Have a Dress Code? So I don't know. This title might change. But for now, let's deal with it. As it says, is America hitting the wall? What is the wall? Most of us have heard the term the wall. And we've heard the term mostly used in the gender wars. And so it has to do with this idea that um, after a certain period of time, father time is undefeated. And he also goes by the, the, the moniker, the wall. And basically it means that someone is no longer in their prime. Usually this term is used to, to talk about women in dating. But I'm actually of the belief that men can hit a wall as well. That's a different topic for another day. But generally speaking, that's what it is. It's this this idea that, you know, women kind of have this uh, window of beauty, this window of fertility, this window of appeal, usually in their 20s, 30s, maybe tap into the 40s. Let me not get in trouble tonight because this ain't, ain't what we talking about. So I ain't going to get in trouble for no reason. Y'all know I get in trouble, but I ain't going to get in trouble and be off topic <laughs> and get in trouble. But um, basically, I think we all kind of know what it is. It applies to athletes as well. And the thing about the wall is oftentimes when people do hit the wall, they don't immediately know that they hit the wall. It's kind of like time just goes by, they live life, and they're used to things being a certain type of way. They're used to a certain type of feedback. They're used to a certain type of beauty, but you get a wrinkle here. You get, you know, things not in the same places they used to be. You're getting a little a little bigger here, a little smaller here, and all these other different type of changes that happen, right? And, and oftentimes we don't always notice them because it happens gradually over a period of time. And so I want to talk about the idea of America and is it hitting a wall and does it matter if America is hitting the wall or not? The wall also applies to athletes as well. But yeah, let's let's talk about it. So if you look at pictures of America back in say like the 1950s you know and I just kind of picked the 1950s but really anytime before this when you saw Americans out in public there was a certain decorum that Americans had now I'm gonna make some of these pictures larger so you guys can see them a little bit you know we got a school scene you know got these good American America, I about to say American white folks, but you got this uh, young African-American here. So, But everybody 
seems like when they stepped out of the house, and I mean picture upon picture, you know, when they stepped out of the house or even when there's a portrayal of an American family, young women, young men, men, women, boys, girls, there was a certain presentation that Americans had, even when they were being casual, there was all there always seemed to just be like this idea that if you step out the house, you at least want to wear a shirt with the collar. You know what I mean? If you're a lady, put on some nice pants, a nice dress. You know what I mean? It's, y'all see the pictures. I don't really have to get too deep into it. And of course, we know things change. You know what I mean? Things change. You know, you got protesters here that are even uh, dress well. Things change, right? <clears throat> but there's something about the way that America used to be that had a beauty about it. And it's important that we're talking about beauty because what we're witnessing is Americans get into this place of being casual and there's nothing necessarily wrong with casual, but what is really equating to is an irreverence because beauty is associated with holiness. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, Oh, come let us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And what we're witnessing is as America is getting further and further away from God, we're starting to witness things become uglier. We're starting to witness people that don't take any type of esteem in how they present. They don't seem to care about how they carry themselves. They walk out the house with pajamas, sandals, slippers, bonnets. Now, y'all know I am a secret in- endorser of the bonnet gang, so I ain't coming for my bonnet sisters. I like I- <laughs> Some about that bonnet energy. I like it a little bit. I'm not saying you should do it. <laughs> I don't advise doing it. I do think it's wrong, but it's like a little guilty pleasure. You know, when somebody got that bonnet on, I'd be on high alert. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, we that's what we see. We see it. And we had this idea of they had this thing on the Internet years ago called People of Walmart. And this was like well over a decade ago, like when the Internet first started really taking off. And so this this whole people of Walmart thing is like these ghastly people that you just see shopping at Walmart and all sorts of clothes, all sorts of body types and all this different type of stuff. And what really made me kind of think about this conversation is that I guess maybe this this wasn't really the icing on the cake, but this was the cake that kind of made me think about this. There is a U.S. senator, and and I'm going somewhere with this. His name is uh, John Fetterman, and he's been in the news lately. He's been in the news a lot, like over the last couple of years for various reasons. So this is John Fetterman, and, and I don't say this to necessarily talk about John Fetterman per se. <laughs> yeah, I know I try to talk about people as, as, as little as I can on this channel. Uh, but this is John Fetterman. And for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he's a United States senator out of Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania. Excuse me. He's a United States senator out of Pennsylvania. And he was running for Senate against Dr. Oz. 
and Dr. Oz was running as the Republican and John Fetterman was running as the Democrat and John Fetterman won. But what's so unique and so fascinating about the fact that John Fetterman won is the fact that John Fetterman had a stroke uh, shortly before he won and he hasn't quite returned back to his mind fully. So his speech is incoherent sometimes. His uh, He has to use an iPhone in order to interpret language. His health really is just not all the way up to par. And so there's just this huge uh, sentiment that maybe he's not cut out for this position at this time. You know, maybe before he had that stroke and before he had these physical ailments, he was good. But, you know, now he has them, <laughs> you know, maybe he should step aside and let somebody else do it. But aside from the politics, the reason why he's been in the news lately is because there's been a discussion about his attire and his dress code as a U.S. senator. Right. <laughs> and so um, what basically happened was. This dude would go to work. I don't know if they got any pictures in here. He would go to work uh, as a senator pretty much in like a hoodie and shorts and sweats <laughs> and sneakers and stuff like that. And it brought up an interesting conversation because his defense is, hey, I want to be comfortable. And his, another part of his defense is, hey, I'm a big guy. It's kind of hard to find suits, you know, in my size. But you know, generally speaking, he just wants to be comfortable and he doesn't really have a reason other than that. But when you really think about it, the people that are getting on him don't really like personally, I can't come up with a justifiable logic as to why he necessarily needs to be dressed up. Right. But there's something that we have. And I heard a, com a political commentator named Michael Knowles talk about this. And it's called the wisdom of repugnance, right? The wisdom of repugnance. And basically what that means is you might not be able to articulate or to even fully comprehend why something repulses you. But because we have a gut repugnance, so we have a gut feeling that something about that just ain't right or it looks off, it looks right, I mean, it doesn't look right. And we become repulsed. Right. And there's a certain wisdom that comes with this visceral repugnance that we have. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, man, this dude is a senator, but he's wearing these clothes. It's not adding up, you know. And so what is that really? And what I what I realize what it is, there's a scripture that the Lord led me to this week. And this scripture is in uh, Matthew chapter 22. And this is why I wanted to title this discussion. Does heaven have a dress code? Uh, Matthew chapter 22 reads as follows. It says, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come again. He sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. So in other words, you got this uh, this uh, king, right? 
and his son is getting married and he's throwing this magnificent feast and he's inviting these uh, significant people, right? These people that he knows, but everybody has an excuse, okay? Some say, hey, I got to tend to my family. I got to go to the farm. I got to go to my job. So then in verse six, it says, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them, okay? But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. He was angry. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So he's saying that, so the scripture is saying that um, the people got angry and even and even slayed those servants. This biblically speaking is talking about the prophets and all of that that God has sent before he sent Jesus. Right. Or the or the people that are martyrs for Jesus. Right. And so then he says. I'll read seven again. But when the king heard thereof, thereof he was wroth. And sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden, in other words, asked, were not worthy. Okay, so there's a certain worth that's required in order for us to attend this wedding. He says, in, it, it says in verse 9, go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. So he doesn't care what type of people are invited to this wedding. He just says, bring anybody, right? And the wedding was furnished with guests. 11 says, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, okay? And he saith unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. And so I want to. I want to discuss this a little bit because this particular king for this particular wedding for his son, he doesn't care who gets invited. Right. He doesn't really care who who he says, look, bring the bad folks, bring the good folks. But what he does care about is that by the time you arrive to the wedding, See, when, when you when you call the folks, it doesn't matter how you call them. You can call them bad. You know, they can be the most wicked people. You can call them good. He doesn't care how he finds you. But by the time it's time for the wedding and you show up for the wedding, apparently he does care about how you're dressed. He does care about your garments. And so what do these garments represent in this parable? This, he's talking about us being clothed in righteousness. He's talking about us being clothed in holiness. And there's a beauty that's associated with holiness. And so this guy, John Fetterman, he's just a an example. He's just a microcosm of a greater spirit of this age that's permeating the air where nobody really has any reverence for anything. You see, that king, he wasn't upset necessarily in the actual clothes that the person had on. But what he was upset at is the fact that this is an occasion and you're not dressed in any type of way to show any type of 
reverence, respect, uh, gravity to this occasion, right? You're just showing up in what you want to wear. And this is what I see the spirit of this age. It's like very few people seem to have any respect for anything anymore. You know, you show up to, to the Senate dressed a certain type of way. You show up to funerals dressed a certain type of way. You show up to church dressed a certain type of way. And I'm not saying that you necessarily need always to uh, wear dress clothes to church. You know what I mean? Personally, um, you know, if and when I start ministering the gospel, uh, more likely than not, I'll have on some sort of jacket and collared shirt at least. Uh, reverence in the gospel you won't see brother greg up there in uh no skinny jeans with slits in my knees and you know what i mean muscle shirts first of all i gotta get some muscles right <laughs> second of all i'm too old for that anyway but you won't see me up there in that type of stuff when i'm ministering the gospel not because i care about so much how i look and and, and all of that but the fact that i understand that i'm a representative glory to lamb of god I'm a representative of God. I'm a representative. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm carrying the word of God. I'm administering the word of God. And so whenever we do come into a place of worship, we should come into that place of worship with the understanding that, hey, I'm going to be devoted to God. I'm going to reverence God. And regardless of what this culture says, the way that we adorn ourselves is a communication. One thing I really don't like about this society today is that, <clears throat> you know, everybody wants to do stuff when it's convenient. So we say, oh, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what clothes you wear on. That doesn't say anything about me. Well, I beg to differ. To me, it says a whole lot about you. <laughs> it might not say everything about you, but it definitely says something about you. It says something about how you value a certain type of place when you arrive based on what you wear. You see, as, as, as much as people play these type of games, when people go to court and they have to stand before a judge, they'll put a suit on. They'll at least put a shirt and tie on. They'll put some sort of dress or skirt on because they understand the gravity and they have a respect and a reverence because this is the type of person that holds my destiny based upon how this judge favors. And so I'm going to respect this judge by putting on some clothes that make sense. So conversely, when somebody just decides they're going to wear whatever they want, that's basically saying they don't have any respect for the occasion. They don't have any respect for the office. And so I'm not particularly that invested in um, Fetterman specifically, like, you know, it's not that big of a deal to me personally, but I want to kind of get some of the sentiment of his peers just to kind of hammer in this point a little bit. Um, they've been having this back and forth. You see the title here says uh, Senate unanimously passes resolution to reinstate formal dress code after Senator John Fetterman controversy. OK, a bipartisan resolution passed the upper chamber with unanimous consent for a formal dress code. And so basically what happened was this dude was walking around the Senate, <laughs> you know, in like workout gear and just chill gear, you know what I mean? And um, at first they were just like, 
who are we to say, who are we to judge or whatever. But then after a while, I guess they got tired of it. And they, and it looks like they had a bipartisan resolution that he needs to dress up. So we're going to listen to these uh, people talk for a moment. Hang tight. I'm not getting the audio I want. Hold on real quick. The bar is lowered, oh, there it is. lowered, the Senate is degraded, it's debased. We debase our currency all the time. Now we're debasing ourselves, and I think that that's sad. I just think the people of Pennsylvania are embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for them, and um, we'll see how this all plays out. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel it's, you know, a little more freedom, which should be bipartisanship, you know what I'm saying? So, But I don't know why the right side seems to be losing their minds over it. Like... Ah, dogs and cats are living together and you know like the world's spinning off its axis but you know I think it's a good thing and uh, but I'm going to use it sparingly and just glad that it's here it used to be that people looked at members of Congress and at least looked up a little bit N now all they have to do is look down I, it's it's disgusting to me I don't find it I don't find it humorous I don't find it engaging I don't find it romantic I don't find it even a little bit even a little bit appealing um, I just think when you aim low, you can always get there, and I'm afraid that's what we're what we're doing. Hopefully, y'all can hear that. I'm having a little trouble hearing. Like the volume seemed like it's a little bit low. Let me see. It looked like it's halfway up. That's probably why. Let's try it again. Never seen um, civility enhanced or a sense of decorum enhanced uh, by dressing like a slob. And when people, senators, she called are that man a slob. to um, go on the Senate floor dressed like slobs, uh, it, it will degrade behavior. And I think the people of Kansas don't want me showing up here in a hoodie. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's an embarrassment that, I, uh, you know, out of respect, we should have some type of decorum here. Very disappointing. Oh, I, I prefer leaders who... So we, we effectively get the idea. Um, <clears throat> We effectively get the idea, and once again, this is not about Fetterman per se, but I, I, I bring this up as a backdrop to note that this is where we are, where we have these people that are in these supposed important positions like the Senate, where they don't even have reverence for that. And what this is really telling me is that America is moving to a place where it's no longer beautiful. This is where we get the question, is America hitting the wall? Is America the same beautiful country that it used to be? And what I believe is happening is that the further that we move away from God, the uglier we're going to see things get. These inner cities are being uh, rioted all the time. Anytime anyone disagrees with anything, shoplifting is at an all time high. You've got major stores that are moving out of these cities. Target is closing down a lot of stores due to theft. CVS is closing down a lot of stores due to theft. Right. We see this happening all around. And it's just like this. The, the culture as 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 it gets as it falls further and further from God and further and further from holiness. Right. The culture is becoming decrepit. The culture is eroding. And I think we as Americans 
overall kind of still have this mentality like, oh, we're the greatest country in the world. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't, right? There's a lot of people try, still trying to get here. But I feel like it's only, at the, if we keep up at this rate, if that is true, it's only going to be true but for so much longer. Because how much longer are we going to get to the place where things just become worse and worse and worse and we keep putting Band-Aids on things and we keep uh, looking to places other than God for our solutions, right? Instead of turning back to him. And so what we get is confusion. We've got all sorts of uh, uh, identity confusion, right? We're, we're, we're getting waste, okay? Kids are not being uh, being properly educated. It's just a, it's just getting to a place where it seems like the glory is starting to depart. I don't want to say it's Ichabod, but it's getting to the place where it's like if if there's not a revival in this country, uh, we're going to see people continue to be irreverent, uh, which means that they're going to be reckless. Because when you don't revere anything, it means you don't fear anything or you don't have any respect for anything, which is a recipe for anarchy. And ultimately, I think that's the end game is the erosion of America is going to come from the inside It's probably not going to be from an outside country and outside force. But it's going to be something that erodes from the inside. And there's a lot of strategic decay that's being done by the kingdom of darkness and the powers that be because they don't want this country to be at its prime. They want us to hit this wall and to decay because ultimately there's going to be a one world system. There's going to be a new world order. There's going to be this uh, antichrist ruler that eventually will have to come on the scene. And in order for him to come on the scene, um, he can't have a country with such a strong identity. So what happens? We begin to take away all the identity and all of the beauty and we begin to pull the country further and further away from God. And so the further that the country falls, the more that it becomes up for grabs. If you see a lot of what's going on in society today, you'll notice that there's a lot of change happening, right? See, there's different phases to the wall. You know what I mean? Um, oftentimes, there'll be like a last hurrah. Oftentimes, there'll be like, how do you want to say it? Um, people will try to reinvent themselves and all of this different type of stuff. And so what we're seeing is there's a lot of change happening where people will take down a statue and they will take that statue down based upon the premise of accusation. Oh, this person was a slave owner. Oh, this person, um, you know, fought for the, the wrong side of the war back in the day. So we got to take this statue down and we're going to erect another statue. And on the surface, that probably looks like just a political change of guard. That's happening with the spirit of the age, and that is happening. But what's happening also is that when you begin to remove stuff and you're able to strip someone of identity, that means that that identity is up for grabs. So you see certain products like Aunt Jemima, they, t they take her off the syrup, right, and then they just leave it blank. Or they take, uh, they haven't got the Uncle Ben yet, but uh, Lando Lakes Butter used to have a Native American on it. They take Lando Lakes Butter off of the butter, and now it's just a big circle. Or the Washington football team, they were the Washington Redskins, right? And then apparently somebody complained, 
and they changed that temporarily to the Washington football team and now the Washington Commanders. But they took the Redskins logo away because they were claiming that it was racist. So this accusing spirit that's in the air, we know Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The accusing spirit is very intentional about stripping everything down and building it back up not just only into what he wants it to be, but the fact of the matter is when you strip anything of its identity, it gives you the freedom to rename it and reform it. And once you rename it and reform it, now you're forming your own reality. And so there's going to eventually, unless anything changes, there's going to be a reinvention of America that happens in this country. Um, and I think it's going to be ugly it's not going to be beautiful. So, yeah, I just wanted to bounce that off. Y'all Y'all can let me know um, what you think about that. Uh, you know, give me your feedback or if there's anything else that's on your mind related to this or unrelated to this. Let me know. We can make it an open discussion. God bless everybody joining in. I'm going to the comments. Sister Marsha, God bless you. Sister Sherry, God bless you. Good evening. Uh, Marsha says you're talking about the senator from Pittsburgh. And now he showed up with shorts on. <laughs> oh, and how he showed up with shorts on. Yeah. Oh, Marsha says, I lived in Pittsburgh for 15 years. It's a sports town and a party town. Many people dress down. I understand that. I do, I do think that a little bit of it is because of his constituency. You know, his whole shtick is that he's a man of the people and stuff like that. You know, most Democrats, they're supposed to be for the people. And I think that's one reason why he does it. Um, but at the same time, you know what I mean? It's like, once again, I'm not that invested, but I just feel like if our country is going to represent anything, it should at least start with the leaders. You know what I mean? Like, like notice I said, if I ever have a congregation, I will dress a certain type of way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to impose that on others people can come for the most part as they are <laughs> you know you still gotta keep it somewhat modest you know we are in the house of the lord um but the fact is you set the tone and i'm just making a point that like if, if if not that these leaders are so great but conceptually these are supposed to be leaders and if this is where they are that should tell us as a culture where we are and where we're headed where you can just walk out and see people in, you know what I mean, people in very public places, bonnets, head, scarves, uh, pajamas, wife beaters, all of this type of stuff. It, it says a lot. It says a lot when you look at those pictures I showed in the beginning from the 50s compared to today. You would, if, if I was to put those pictures beside each other, you would say, what happened? You know, what, where is this brazen attitude coming from where we don't revere anything? We've got artists like the young lady, Sexy Red, you know what I mean? She's making the most debased music. But really, she's just the offshoot, the offspring of a Lil' Kim, a, a Trina, you know what I mean? And, and, and so progressively over time, what we're, what we're not collectively I say we I'm not in this but you know as Americans what we're missing and I guess this is what I'm trying to say is that everything good about this country came from God the scripture says every good and per every good and perfect gift comes down 
from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if there was any point in time where we were able to hang our head and say, hey, this is a great country, it was because of God. And as we reject him, we're becoming uglier. Buildings are becoming uglier. They're, they're building new statues now that are ugly. They built a statue in, in Boston last year. People couldn't even tell what it was. You know what I mean? Um, and there have been other statues like that. Um, you know, this statue called the Embrace. Some of y'all might have seen it. You know what I mean? There have been other statues that have been built recently. Now, I think this is supposed to be like maybe Martin Luther King and his wife hugging each other. But uh, it, there, it's a headless statue which I think is lazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, ultimately, though, I guess the idea, and that's just one angle of it. The thing about it is, like, from different angles, it just look weird in different ways. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it's, it's supposed to be this modern art, this this modernized stuff, but it's like the more modern we get, the further away from God we seem to go. Trinity 81 said, please, everyone, get food now. Yeah, Marsha says, you nailed it, loss of reverence for anything. Trinity says, how we dress is a matter of self-control. All distractions away from all that is happening and about to happen. <laughs> slob, slob garb. <laughs> we are very, very close. Faded glory. Wow. Brother Joseph says, Uncle Ben's is now Ben's original. Here's a scripture from Marsha. It says, 1 John 2 and 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Wow. That's where we are. We're in a situation where um, we're in these last and evil days. You know what I mean? And we could say that because Paul said he was in the last days and he wrote that like, you know, probably 2000 and something years ago or a little less than that. So this is where we are. You know what I mean? And it's important for it's important for us that even if the society around us is choosing to fall away from God that we don't fall victim to the spirit of this age. It's very easy to breathe in. It's very easy to get swept up. It's very easy to get lackadaisical, very easy to lose hope. But we have to be mindful that we don't fall into the trap of what Satan is bringing on the scene. He's using accusation to tear down everything that he wants to tear down. And that's only so that he can build it back up. When you rename something, it's not necessarily always about the name you give it, but it's about the fact that now you own it. Whoever names it, that means that they own it, that it belongs to them. We as humans don't even don't even name ourselves. Our parents name us or maybe God gives a name to our parents, but ultimately we don't name ourselves. Why? Because we belong to our parents. We belong to God. And so whoever names it gets to claim it. 
And so the more that um, that Satan can tear down what's going on in this society, the more that he can build it back up into his image and likeness. And that's the ultimate goal. The scripture says we as believers, we're being conformed into the image of Christ. But what's happening is he's trying to conform. He is in Satan is trying to conform this society into his image. And the interesting thing about his image is that if it never really has definition, if you notice that it never has definition. When, when God makes a gender it's two genders it's male, female, when Satan gives you his uh, 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 ideology about a gender, it's fluid. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's basically infinite. You know, they're up to like 92 or something like that. Different so-called genders that people can identify as. And why is that? It's because when you operate in definitive absolutes, it means that you can operate in truth. It means that everything is settled. But Satan, the scripture says, is the father of lies. And because he's the father of lies, that means that he needs the flexibility to be able to manipulate and to be able to change whenever he feels like it. And it also is because since he is the father of lies, it means that he's a hater of truth. And so this is what all of society is going to ultimately boil down to. Do you love truth or not? There's a scripture, I think it might be in Thessalonians. I could be mistaken, but it says something to the effect of um, God get, hold on, that they were, that they were not lovers of truth. Let's find it. I think it might be in Thessalonians and this might have something to do with God. Um, uh, they were lovers, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And that's going to be somewhere around 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 9. Let's see if we can find that real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 9. I don't know if that's what I want. <laughs> uh... Yeah, that, that's a powerful scripture, but hold on. Let me find the one that I absolutely want. That might be it. Let me see. Um, 2 Timothy 3 and 4. It says, and for this cause, I think that's how it starts. Does that say that? Okay, let's just read it. Worst case scenario, we read a little scripture. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. This is right along what we're talking about right now. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. From such turn away. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers 
of God. There's a scripture that I'm looking for. I think it's God giving them strong delusion is what I'm trying to think of. Scripture, strong delusion. Second Thessalonians 2.11. I think that might be closer to what I want. Second Thessalonians 2. Eleven. Yeah, this is it. <clears throat> so this is what I was talking about. So it says now this whole scripture here is talking about the Antichrist, right? We can take it from the top. It says now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that day as that the day of christ is at hand at hand in the bible means that you can reach out and touch it it means that it's, it's there <laughs> so he says that the day of christ is at hand he says in verse three let no man deceive you by any means okay move it up some move it down some let mo no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there be come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. There's only two people in scripture called the son of perdition. One, I believe, is Judas. The other one is this Antichrist. And what do they say about this son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we've got an imposter on our hands. This Antichrist figure is basically going to carry himself as though he's God. He's going to sit in the place of God. He's going to re receive worship like he's God. Look at what it says in verse five. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this, I mean, in his time. For the mystery of iniquity, okay, what is the mystery of iniquity? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, in other words, allow, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed that wicked is the antichrist whom the lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of satan with what with all power and signs and lying wonders so this antichrist figure who's coming after the work of satan the Bible says that he's coming with, this is what the Bible says, all power and signs and lying wonders. So the people that received this Antichrist figure are going to be under the impression that he's all powerful and that he can perform signs and wonders. And guess what? Technically, in that particular moment, they're right.
That's why it's such a great deception. But look at what it says that next. It says in verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. At the end of this whole thing, it's all going to boil down to simply two types of people. Those who love truth and those who hate truth. That's really it's going when it's all said and done. That's all it's going to boil down to who loves truth, who hates truth. And so culturally now what's happening is that people are being formatted to hate truth or people are being formatted to be scared to say the truth because if you want to be the enemy anywhere in today in 2023 all you got to do is just walk into any place and just start telling the truth start walking into a place uh you're really a man uh you're overqualified for that job um <laughs> this whole place is a charade you know what i mean if you just simply just start telling the truth i meant to say underqualified for that job <laughs> if you just start telling the truth you become the enemy and this is why it's difficult to stand on the truth because the truth is no longer popular but you know the scripture says be instant be ready in season and out of season preach the word whether it's in vogue or whether it's not and so a part of us loving the truth is being able to proclaim the truth even when it's not popular even when people don't like it let me see if we got any comments praise the lord god bless everybody joining there Marsha says, here's another scripture. Thank you. I think you got to it before me. Second Thessalonians 2 and 10. He would use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refused to love and accept the truth that would save them. See, the thing about the truth saving us is the acceptance of the truth. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So if they loved and if we love and accept the truth, we'll be saved. If we hate and reject the truth, the scripture says that we'll be condemned. Marsha says, I suggest that we up our prayers and fasting so that we can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I agree. I agree. There's so much going on in the land right now that we just need to be mindful of. Um, but we don't need to be anxious about anything. And that's the good thing about God is that ultimately, regardless of what's going on in, in, in this world, re regardless of what's going on on the Internet, you know what I mean? When you wake up and you open your eyes, it's you and the Lord. You can thank God for allowing you to see another day. 
You can thank God for just gracing you to be clothed and in your right mind to have food, shelter and clothing. You know what I mean? Um, to And to also be intentional about your purpose and your assignment. Because at the end of the day, we we can't control anybody else but us. So we just got to be obedient to whatever God is doing in that season. A scripture I've been thinking about a lot lately is a scripture, and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to really get understanding about it, but I've been thinking a lot about the scripture that says, the wealth of the sinner shall be laid up for the just. And what made me think about that is I can't remember if I was listening to somebody or if I was just driving around in the city. I think I might have just been driving around in the city and I was just like smelling some weed or something like that. And I was just thinking about how so many people today are just potheads. You know what I mean? They just get high all day. You know, they just, they just, that's it. They just wake up and eat snacks and get high. And they're not doing anything with their time, with their lives. And, you know, I've been thinking about this idea, the wealth of the sinner shall be laid up for the just from the perspective of today, there are a lot of people who are simply not applying themselves. They don't want to go out and kill the lion. They say, there's a lion in the street. I'm just going to stay in the house. But for us who are willing to go out and kill the lion, that means we can kill two lions. That means we can eat twice as much. So if I if I put my hand to this plow, if I begin to 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 work, because the scripture says in all labor, there is profit. In all labor, there is profit. So if I begin to labor with my hands and this part and I got five people over here that don't want to labor with their hands, as long as I'm sober and in my right mind, that means that it's five times the more opportunity for me to capitalize on what somebody else is not willing to put forth the effort for. And so the wealth of those sinners who choose to be um, drunken, who choose to be high, can be laid up for us who choose to be sober. And it got me thinking about sobriety because you know, I'm obviously I don't do drugs, but uh, one thing we do have to be mindful of is that there are different ways to be intoxicated. And so while I might not be sober, while I might not be high off of weed, and, and I might not be sober because I'm intoxicated off of the dopamine that I'm getting from scrolling on social media all day or the, the, the high that I'm getting from eating certain type of foods or something like that. And so what that does, that's a form of drunkenness. It's not necessarily alcohol, but it's a form of not being sober because you're, you're being, um, there's a, there's a substance or there's something that you're ingesting, right? That's putting your mind in a relaxed state, putting it in some sort of pleasurable state that's causing you to participate in that at the expense of the work that you could be doing. And so one of my goals for October is to walk in sobriety. Uh, me and T, 
are going to be doing a challenge. So we're doing a 30-30-30. That means 30 push-ups, 30 core exercises like sit-ups or crunches or plank or something like that. Um, and then 30 minutes of moving, cardio, walking, running, uh, whatever you want to do. A 30-30-30. And we're doing no social media Monday through Friday. So Brother Greg, come on here sharp. <laughs> you know what's going on. If I come on here sharp, if I come on here hitting on all cylinders, that's what's up. Because I'm moving to a place where I'm like, man, it's folks out here that just don't want it or they're not willing to do what it takes to get it. And, and you know, what is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? What is it? I don't necessarily know what it is, but the scripture does say the wealth. And... I'm not saying it's all about money or anything like that, but for me, it's about peace. You know, it's about peace because my neighbor is not the worst, but it definitely ain't the best. You know what I mean? And quite frankly, I'm kind of getting to the place. I was going to wait till I, till I potentially got married, but now I'm just like, I just do it on my own. I'm getting to the place where I'm more open to potentially moving. And I could probably move right now. Um, it's just that these interest rates are so high. I think the last time I looked, they were at like seven and a half percent for a 30 year mortgage or something like that. I think you could get a shorter term mortgage and then just you'd have a lower interest rate. Say if you did 15 years, I'm not a financial advisor type guy or nothing like that. But, you know, then on top of that, though, like houses are expensive, too. <laughs> so it's like they're expensive It's a high interest rate So I'm like man if I really want to Make it out the hood You know what I mean um, I got to put my hand to the plow And I got to You know Ask the Lord to bless the work of my hands You know what I mean um, Because there are folks out here That they don't have that reverence They don't have that drive And I hope they get it Because I don't operate from a scarcity standpoint see a lot of the, the crime that we have and a lot of the um the hatred that we have the a lot of the racism that we have it stems from a scarcity mindset it stems from this idea of there's not enough to go around i don't personally believe that because we because god created the world god created what, what we see and god can provide now, it might not be enough Bentleys to go around, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's an issue of vainglory and vanity. That's not an issue of sustenance. So anyway, that's just something I've been thinking about, you know, putting my hands to work, having the Lord bless the work of our hands. Because even though America might be hitting the wall, they might not be as attractive as they used to be, they might not recognize that this is where they are. Um, they might not um, have the same aura, you know what I mean, the same glory. That doesn't mean that we as individuals have to be victim to that. As a matter of fact, it means that we can actually thrive even in the midst of that. You know what I mean? It, 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 it means that we have opportunity to set ourselves apart 
we have opportunity to do that. So that's all I want to talk about tonight, family. I just wanted to kind of say, you know what I mean? Like, is America hitting the wall? What's really going on with, with what we see around us? It's like there's no... And I, and I get that we did go through a pandemic. And so that pandemic, a lot of people were stressed out. And a lot of people just got to the place where they're just like, listen, I'm not trying to... <laughs> You know, I just want to take it easy. I just want to let my hair down. I don't want to be anxious. I just want to be me. I want to be relaxed. But even before that, there was just this sentiment of this is who I am. This is what you're going to get. Deal with it. You know, it's like, look, you, this is me. This is who I am. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I'm a free spirit. I'm whatever. Deal with it. And the problem with that, as we read in Matthew chapter 22, is that when we get up to heaven, uh, when we get to the marriage, I'll say, um, there's going to be an expectation of reverence. There's going to be an expectation of holiness. Holiness is basically beauty. Okay. Uh, What makes God, one of the things that makes God holy His essence of holiness is his perfection. It's the fact that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's what the scripture says. And so he's 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 flawless and he's also beautiful. Right. There's a beauty that's associated with God. And so he says, listen. I just I'm just asking that you just respect this marriage supper. Show some reverence, some respect, because if we don't have any reverence for God, that means that we don't respect God. It means that we don't we don't fear God. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. Fear God and keep his commandments. So listen, family, I just wanted to hop on here real quick. Say what's up to everybody. I see a couple last comments. I'm going to read. Um, Marsha says, these spirits are extremely bold. I was near someone and I could hear their spirits say, I can't stand you without them saying a word to me. Wow. Yeah, that is intense. Um, you know, people are on edge today. All we can do is spread the gospel. You know what I mean? Um, that's all we can do. Spread the gospel. But yeah, you're right. Uh, People are going through a lot of strange stuff in these seasons. We're seeing stuff recently that we've never seen before. We're seeing, uh, we're having conversations that we never thought we'd need to have. Yeah, here's a comment. Marcia says, marijuana is a gateway drug and is trapping so many people. The separation is becoming so obvious. Yeah. It stems from fear, jealousy, lust, and greed. Wow. God bless you, X Money. G, praise the Lord. Marsha says a lot of people love God, but they don't fear God. And the wisdom comes from the fear of God. You know, this is just, this is a conversation about. You know, like church clothes, 
You know what I mean? That's I think that's a popular term. Um, do church clothes even mean anything? You know what I mean? Some people say, you know, it's kind of like some people say the whole dressing up and all that. That's like religious stuff. And then some people, some other people say the dressing down and stuff like that. That's like lukewarm stuff. So it's it's a good conversation. You know, just the idea of church clothes and what they mean, if anything. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I, I like to at least have reverence for God. And if you're doing a little something something special it doesn't mean you don't love god you know what i mean or or it doesn't mean you can't let your head down every now and then a lot of the pastors like to do the football jersey thing and all of that it's good to have some fun you know what i'm saying see see god does like fun let's let's be clear about that you know what i mean he does like fun um but he also likes reverence so i think there's a wisdom that we need to find uh, collectively to figure out what does God want from us. I believe that what God really wants are clean hands and a pure heart. I believe that he wants us to be pure because the scripture says that blessed are the pure at heart for they shall see God. So he wants purity and purity is something that's a matter of the heart, which is on the inside. That being said, I I am of the belief that What's on the inside will reflect outside because your countenance will begin to tell of you. Now, sometimes there could be a change on the inside and somebody might still be dealing with some stuff and, you know, it might have to happen over time and that's okay. But ultimately, you know what I mean? The countenance, the countenance doesn't lie. The countenance does not lie. So listen, family, thank y'all for hanging out with me on this solid talk. Hopefully we had a little something. Like I said, I had to get my thoughts together a little bit and, and really just wanted to chop this up with y'all. I appreciate the comments. appreciate the feedback. appreciate the likes and all that good stuff. Um, Lord willing, we'll be on Thursday for Bible study. Either that or I'll submit an encouragement video at some time throughout the week. You know, missed last Thursday, uh, ended a fiscal year, got caught up at work, you know, hadn't really wrapped my mind around everything. Um, and I And I got the cancellation up at the last minute on the community tab but normally if i don't have it i'll try to get something up on the community tab and you can always check that so that you're not coming to the channel or waiting for something to pop up and it doesn't um so yeah that's all i have in this solid talk family enjoy the conversation you all take care and be blessed this is solid talk Speaking out loud yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out Speaking out loud in depth Cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest And show each other respect I keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge Wisdom understanding just like you done went to college Devil know we working His goal is to try to stop it Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it Controversial topics just to keep it honest Truth hit hard just like like it's a blunt object, culture living godless, I can't even call it, we in the last days, Babylon is falling. 
don't kill the messenger I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora This life will keep on testing ya Let's walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh All the around the shell we say We trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth Cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest And show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages, the blood of Jesus covers all my sin and it erases. I pleaded and believe it, so it covers all my bases. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Try and keep my sanity amongst calamity. Social media, nothing more than narcissistic vanity. PC culture on a mission, and they try to cancel me, but I know Jesus gonna. Keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty No I can't handle me Not where I wanna be But best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit Main event and slambery So I need them every day This daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron So I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here But guarantee the link in heaven The born again and righteous Are the ones he's gonna let in Let's keep the faith And be amongst the saints When they step in